KCSB FM, Santa Barbara 91.9. This is Inside Isla Vista. I'm Kalia Kwa, reporter with KCSB News. This is the show that shares what's happening in and around Isla Vista and the UC Santa Barbara community. On tonight's show, we'll hear from some of our essential Isla Vista directors on how they've been able to keep their businesses afloat with a little help from their friends, that being the established partnerships within the Ivy community. And later on the show, KCSB reporter Alex Goldberg talks with marriage and family counselor Dr. Mariela Marin to speak on the dangers of isolation for young adults during this pandemic. First, an update on COVID-19 in Isla Vista. And this is promising news. The number of new COVID cases in Isla Vista this week are significantly lower than last week. County Public Health Director Dr. Van Du Reynoso reported to the Board of Supervisors on Tuesday that cases in IV have dropped from 37 cases to 18 cases over the past seven days. Two new cases were reported in IV yesterday on Tuesday, so now there are 20 active cases. KCSB News has also learned that Ivy is getting its own dedicated full-time COVID-19 testing center. Health Director Dr. Du Rinoso said the testing site is a partnership between UCSB and County Public Health. It's expected to be operational in Isla Vista by the end of the year. However, Dr. Du Reynoso also mentioned that Ivy residents, including many of our students, will be required to follow public health guidance of wearing masks, not gathering, and other rules. Or they could face the possibility of getting a ticket, which would result in a fine starting at $100. Through this unprecedented time, businesses have had to rechart their way through this pandemic in ways that have not been done before. In recent interviews with local business directors, something that came up repeatedly was how the community partnerships they have built have been the glue that has strengthened and kept these businesses afloat moving forward. Today, we hear the voices of local essential directors, Melissa Cohen, manager of the Isla Vista Food Co-op, as well as the director of the St. George Youth Center YMCA, Leonor Reyes, to talk about the bridges that have been built and have sustained the landscape of these organizations through this pandemic. My first question directed towards Melissa Cohen was how she was redirecting the many amenities that have given so much character to the Isla Vista Co-op from the open space front patio where people could converse to the aisles lined with delicious samples to taste. Having to close the patio and having to dismantle all of the events and gatherings and potlucks and pop-up events and really everything that gave the residents of Isla Vista sometimes a reason to just get out of the house. Even if you weren't feeling like going grocery shopping, right. you knew you'd come to the co-op and like taste some chocolate. Right. And so 
that's probably been for me. I mean, there was a grief process, I would say, in the spring, like watching everything just kind of, I say like it was a dismantling, like closing the patio, taking the patio tables down. It really felt like I went through a grief process in a way after so many years of building these bridges. And so I feel extra grateful that again, with like the UCSB crisis partnerships and like I deliver to the AS Food Bank weekly on Wednesdays to help support their, they have a low staffing right now. These are these little tiny retainings of these bridges that can hopefully outpace however long this lasts for so that students that might not know us like you did because you saw us consistently over these years, how we showed up in the community, yeah. that somehow we can still retain that through what we're doing on Instagram, what we're trying to do, even like being on KCSB right now and sharing our story in a way so that those that might have not gotten to come here yet for their freshman year or those that had to go home in February might not come back till next year. They don't forget about us. They don't forget about who we are and were for this community and who we will be, who we can be now with everything changing. Maybe the co-op shifts again. Like who knows? It's, you know, we're here very iterative as the community needs. I think that's a very interesting point about how much the co-op is a part of the student experience in Isla Vista, and yet more than half the student population has left to go home. Could you talk about how the co-op has organized itself to respond to all that has occurred in the past nine months? Currently, we are in this incredible moment which actually our board has named meeting the moment. So we have our strategic priorities that were a you know, layer and they've added a layer in to really help us focus our attention on some specific goals for the co-op that will arc us through the pandemic. And a lot of it is really just doubling down on being inclusive, our accessibility. You know, there's a real opportunity right now when we have a a locally owned, community owned, democratically controlled, community governed grocery store, what impact that could have, particularly after the events of the summer, after George Floyd's murder, after Black Lives Matter uprising, we believe fully that Black Lives Matter and we need to start expanding our capacity as a resource in this community to be the most inclusive space, to talk about big topics like anti-discrimination in our workplace. And something I feel really proud of about our co-op is that we are not change averse, meaning that we're not afraid to change here. Isla Vista requires change. What happened in the country in the last seven months, we're blessed to be in a community that can allow us to look at these different events and say, how does that affect us? We're not going to put our heads down in the sand and say, oh no, we're going to keep doing everything the same as everything around us changes, including the impact to our workforce. I mean, this is mostly college students. It's not all, but we've had some very significant moments in this business in the last seven months that have been a direct outcome of everything happening in this country, we can close our eyes to it and we can be a workplace that doesn't care. We can be a workplace that says, oh, I'm sorry, you're having a bad day. Buck up, kid, put your boots on tighter, come to work, slam some groceries down. Like that doesn't behoove us, to me at least. It doesn't behoove the type of community that we live in. And to me, it does not create the right next step for a young person leaving the co-op to go into the workforce professionally, because we or I really do believe we can do better with our workplaces and allow people to come before profit. Mm-hmm. And hopefully by seizing this moment, it can encourage people to wake up and take the same action towards reestablishing and 
elevating their organizations to go in hand with the people. Without people to support people, we don't really have much. Like we could sell groceries left and right, with, but without having our interconnections, our opportunity to build partnerships, our incredible workers that we're able to actually see and hear and receive and support as people, I don't know why we would be here doing this otherwise. Like, how can we support each other right now so that after we make it through this acute moment of the pandemic and this larger culture change that's awashing through this country right now, which is seeing each other and hopefully seeing each other with a level of compassion and respect and opportunity for us all to do better together. It's like these little nodes of resilience and community building can just boom, explode up and explode out. To our listeners, this is Inside Isla Vista. I'm speaking with essential business directors in IV who say they would not have been able to keep afloat if not for the strong community partnerships they've established on the way. That was Melissa Cohen of the IV Food Co-op. Now we turn towards Leonor Reyes of the St. George Youth Center YMCA. Hi, Ms. Leonor. Could you talk about how the St. George Youth Center has transitioned through the pandemic? Yeah, for the Youth Center, I mean, we basically have shut down all daily drop-in activities. We were open Monday through Friday, 3 to 8 p.m., um, really an after-school program, but open throughout the year. So all of that has completely shut down. Um, as soon as the um, stay-at-home order was put in place, we did transition quickly to begin offering free food distribution out of our site. So I think we're going on 38 weeks of offering that, which is something that we didn't do before. So we transitioned to offer that support and service to the community um, as one. And then as the things have progressed through the pandemic, we were able to offer support in small pods. So we're able to work with a select group of students, um, only a select number. So we're doing that two to three times a week. And then fortunately, we were able to start offering Zumba outside in the park, Estero Park. And so that's open for everyone. Also, that's open to the entire Isla Vista community. Um, and then Throughout the pandemic, we've been partnering with Ivy Foot Patrol and UCPD to do a, a cycling with the cops. So we go on a bike ride, again, outdoors, mass, socially distance, um, anywhere from three miles to 15 miles. Wow. So, yeah, so that's really been a, an amazing partnership um, throughout this pandemic, we've been able to do that. That's awesome. Finding all these new creative outlets to, to make the best out of all this. Yeah, definitely. You guys are located in such a fun and open recreational section of IV. Through the grapevine, there's been some talk that the youth have decked out the park with lights this year. So our building, there's a barn, a red barn next to us, and then there's a tree. It's going to be all decorated. Ooh, oh, that's so fun. Yeah, so it should be really great. We have some stuff up now, and, you know, the kids get really excited. And it's just, that's, as I said, that's what motivates me or excites me is seeing just when kids just be able to give some level of joy and happiness, you know, especially during these times. So we invite everybody to come out and check out the lights. That's wonderful to hear. So the rumors are true. 
So don't forget to check out the lights this holiday. The youth have probably worked so hard on this. Leonor, it's been quite a year. Uh, what is something that has kept you motivated and kept you going in these past nine months? Um, I think for me, having the different partnerships and support and knowing, you know, that we're not alone and I couldn't do the bike ride, you know, if it wasn't for the law enforcement or we wouldn't be able to do the food distribution if it wasn't for, you know, additional support. So I think it's just knowing that we're all in this together, that, you know, we're not alone and people are there with you. Um, I think that, I mean, that helps me. Definitely. Thank you to our essential Isla Vista directors, Melissa Cohen, helping us to stay nourished, and Leonor Reyes, looking out for the vibrant youth of the community. Remember to check out the beautiful lights outside of the St. George Youth Center, YMCA. I think we can all use a little bit of that holiday joy right about now. Now we turn towards Alex Goldberg, speaking with Dr. Mariela Marin, Executive Director at Community Counseling and Education Center, to talk about the effects of isolation on young adults amidst this pandemic. Today we will be talking about the dangers of social isolation on young adults amidst the COVID-19 pandemic. Let's start off by talking about how social isolation is dangerous to adolescent mental health. Sure, you know, there are so many, uh, you know, different ways in which isolation does impact mental health in any given time, um, but especially right now because our options are so limited. So, you know, there's the sort of the obvious it's going to impact in depression and anxiety, but sort of more specifically in the ways that it actually does that is that, you know, we're talking about a period in which just developmentally we're, we're conditioned, we're, we're, we're wired to be starting to move away from family and um, start to sort of establish ourselves as our own person. And we do that through our social connections. So it creates already a disruption in sort of this very natural process of testing out the world, finding new folks, being able to express ourselves with others. And that's obviously very, very limited right now. It certainly, you know, affects our ability to be mobile and, you know, just even move around. Of course, we can work out and, and all of that kind of thing. But even that is a very social thing. We typically do it with other people. So the fact that we're limited there, you know, and then I just think about sort of the potential for things like reaching for negative coping mechanisms, like it might be substance use and doing that alone and without the support of, of others sort of knowing what you're going through or things like even the tension of knowing, you know, I'm supposed to be taking care of myself and taking care of my family, but not going out. But then I'm sort of being pulled in these different directions of really needing that social connection. So even just that tension, you know, wears on our body and, and, on, our, and on our mind. So there's so many different ways in which, you know, different parts of our emotional, physical, overall health are being affected. Um, and I think that's especially difficult as adolescents, teens, you know, young adults, because it, it is such an active time in our life that requires and thrives on social connection. Um, you mentioned some negative coping mechanisms such as substance abuse. What are some of the negative and positive ways that young adults are coping with these feelings? Yeah, so, you know, certainly we're hearing things that like, um, you know, folks isolating in their room, 
using different substances, whether it be, you know, marijuana or alcohol or pills or, you know, all sorts of different things. And of course, you know, there's always the danger that can present itself with overuse, but especially if you're overusing without others knowing what's happening for you, that can be a huge issue. And that's obviously not the way that most of us would want to know that our friends and family and loved ones are dealing with things. But there are also, you know, negative ways in terms that we're dealing with things sometimes, like really shutting ourselves away with our social media and sort of living just through the social media piece or shutting ourselves away to the possibility of finding new ways of connecting with folks, whether it be phone or Zoom. And believe me, when I say that, I kind of say it with (laughs) a lot of hesitation because I am done with that. But I also, you know, kind of recognize right now there's really no other good choices. So just knowing that it's temporary. You know, some of the positive things that I think definitely can be done is, you know, not completely changing the way you do life. So like, for instance, you know, I just mentioned social media, and I don't think social media is the most evil thing on earth. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. But it's about finding balance. And so knowing that, you know, I have to find balance in ways that I use social media, not just to sort of view others, but also maybe to reach out to others, finding ways to maybe create study groups that are online so that they're real time. Of course, they're online and virtual but at least it's a real-time connection. And we're talking about things that are not COVID-related or not, you know, society um, sort of hurting right now related. So maybe I do just have a study group around my math problems or, you know, the book that we had to read for class. Gosh, and even that, maybe even book clubs where I know other people are reading the same book that I am, and then we can come together and talk about it. So things like that. Or certainly things that take care of our our physical bodies as well. Um, You know, I know there's been a lot of stressing getting out and getting active and, you know, maybe finding some ways where in those situations you can be in closer proximity to folks. Of course, obviously in a very safe way with masks and with distancing. But, you know, there are definitely ways in which folks can support each other in actively getting outside to do some things like that. And I think one thing that's really important too is for us to really be aware of sort of our days that can feel super, super long now that we sort of tend to stay in the same place and really find different ways to break up your day in chunks, you know, and give yourself routines that can sort of help you get through those days that include the things you have to get done, the things that you love to do, the things that you want to do, the time that you focus on taking care of yourself. So I think just being really intentional are good ways of us for us to sort of figure out how to keep navigating this not-so-fun period. Are adults that are struggling with these negative feelings, are they seeking help? Yeah, you know, I think it's, it's definitely a, a period where folks are reaching out for more help. What's tricky is the situation itself, I think, also makes it a little harder especially when we unfortunately think about the impact that this is having economically. So I think more people want help, but there's also the question of, can I afford help? Um, is it that, or do I pay rent this month or, you know, so it's, it is an important thing to reach out for help and know that there are places out there that, you know, this is what they want to do. 
and it's just a matter of asking. And sometimes there are places that can offer fee reductions. There are therapists who are offering, you know, reduced fees for essential workers or folks who work in certain industries that might be more negatively impacted. So, you know, it's not a it's a matter of not assuming you're not going to get the help, and instead just taking that that courageous leap to ask for the help. And and typically, there's something out there for folks. Right. I think the the topic of breaking it up into socioeconomic groups is super interesting. Yeah. Can we talk a little bit about age groups as well? What age group is most affected by social isolation? And is there any long-term effects in children who are developing social skills? That's a that's a great question. You know, I think, well, I, I think it's it's probably true to say that all age groups are affected in one way or another. I do believe that, you know, our young folks and I would say especially sort of that, again, that adolescent period to young adulthood, folks are probably struggling most and being impacted most because it does form such a big part of, of our differentiation process from our family and our establishment of personal identity. And that has, you know, now been limited to the folks that we were already around, you know, our families. And not that there's anything wrong with families, but we do move away from and become our own people in that. Mm -hmm. And so I think there's definitely more of an impact there. I don't think it's something that can't be overcome with, with time and, you know, real intention and focus, but it's such a new experience for all of us that, yeah, I think the impact is significant. And while it's also significant for adults, adults are a little bit more established in their um, support networks already. Like we've had time to figure this out. We know who our circle is. We know they're steady. You know, as a young person, you're still kind of figuring that out. So there's nothing there that you can really bank on 100%. So I think that's why it becomes a little bit more difficult. And of course, with young kids, sure, it's, it's obviously also an impact because they you know, learn from each other the basics along with like the emotional and physical and mental, all that stuff. But they too are very resilient and, you know, can pretty quickly sort of jump into different situations and figure things out. But it's, it's definitely, you know, also dependent on things like whether folks have siblings, whether they're in a safe household, whether they have the added pressures of social structures that are oppressing them, whether it be racism, whether it be socioeconomic, whether it be sexism or homophobia, all those different things then add these sort of complicating layers that can be difficult to manage depending on, on the situation for sure. The CDC recently announced one in four young people have considered suicide since stay-at-home orders were issued. Can you explain this increase in suicidal ideation? Yeah, you know, I think the, the increase is, is probably related especially as this sort of wears on to the fact that this is, you know, going, I think, a lot longer than any of us had originally anticipated. And so that hopefulness that was there at the beginning or that, that connection that we were all in this together at the beginning, that has worn off for a lot of folks. There's still a lot of fear. There's, I think, a lot of folks are experiencing you know, maybe the fact that we don't get to see each other very often has ended relationships that they thought were solid. And so it's sort of a blow, a big blow. And when you don't have the opportunity to then really engage and connect and work through things, the what's left is sort of this sense of, well, 
despair and, and there's nothing to work on. So why continue? And of course that, that gets heightened when, when we're in such a, a weird, <laughs> it's just weird um, situation. So, you know, it makes sense that, that folks are feeling that. And, you know, once you sort of get into that spiral, if there's nothing there to sort of hold on to and folks don't know where to turn to or don't think that there's a possibility of turning to someone that could actually they could actually access then it becomes sort of more real for folks and so the challenge is to remind folks that even though we are obviously separated in many ways there are definitely ways to connect and they are not the only folks feeling this every age group every gender every race ethnicity Everyone experiences what's, what's happening right now. And it's a matter of, of trying to connect with, with as many people as possible to find the person or the group that's going to most support and understand where you're at with things. Do you believe that social interaction will go back to normal after the pandemic is under control? Gosh, that is such a good question and such a, a sometimes a scary question to even right. think about. <laughs> No, but you know, I mean, I do think there, there's, there are elements that will never go away because it's just part of like our human nature. I think our need to connect will never go away. And so that will help drive us back towards each other. And I think that need will also help us figure out what are safe ways to continue to, to connect. I think there will be some for some folks, you know, who maybe were disrupted in their new social style or new ways of connecting, there will be a period of sort of having to relearn some of that, you know, and relearn how, even the pace of conversation, like how we go back and forth and eye contact that isn't over the computer. But I do think it's, it's, it's sort of ingrained in us that we will do whatever we need to do to actually be able to connect with each other because it's such a deep rooted you know, I think it's a physical need. I think it's an emotional need. I think it's a spiritual need. I think it's just part of sort of the energy that flows through all of us that will help us figure that out as we go forward, even if it looks a little bit different, but I'm, I'm very hopeful. Where can students find resources, specifically UCSB students and other young adults living in Santa Barbara County? Is, I mean, especially students in, you know, the Santa Barbara area, there are so many nonprofits in this small town um, that want to help and, you know, sometimes just don't do a great job of outreach, um, but are there. And so, you know, even on just a simple Google search on, on support and counseling or social groups, they are starting to pop up sort of everywhere. I can say, I can speak from, from just my experience, you know, at Community Counseling and Education Center, we have seen an uptick in folks just recently and we work on a sliding scale. And right now, our goal is to see anyone who needs to be seen. So we have some folks who are paying as little as a couple bucks a session, um, you know, some who can pay 25. So it's really just a matter of, of calling up and talking to folks and, and working with you. And my understanding is that that's true of the other agencies in town as well, you know, like New Beginnings or Family Service Agency. Um, we all know what, what folks are going through and, and part of our DNA as, as therapists and social service agencies to want to be of support. And, and it's just a matter of, of reaching out and connecting. And I think, you know, students also, 
you know, hopefully have the opportunity to um, access services on campus. I woefully, I don't know too much about what's happening on campus right now, but you know, campuses really around the country, I think are starting to recognize and see that they have got to provide services. And so it's a matter of asking and if they aren't there, you know, pushing for them because that's, that's something that's, that should be provided and should be there for folks to be able to lean on. Is there anything else you would like to add to our interview? Yeah, I mean, I guess I would just say, you know, I, I think we all kind of landed here, you know, kind of against our will. Um, but I've been so impressed by just what we've all sort of figured out about ourselves and what needs to happen. And it is okay to struggle with this and it is okay to hate every minute of it. Um, as long as uh, you also keep trying to find the positives in it and trying to find ways to maybe shift that a little bit because it is out there. In the end, I think ultimately we will come out of this um, maybe a little bit different, but if nothing else with an even bigger set of tools to sort of survive the world we live in and whatever comes you know, from here forward. I think, you know, I think we got this. We just got to believe that and hold on to it. That was Mariela Marin, Executive Director at Community Counseling and Education Center with KCSB News reporter Alex Goldberg on the dangers of isolation for our young people during COVID. You've been listening to Inside Isla Vista. Thanks for tuning in Wednesdays at 5 p.m. to find out what's happening in and around Isla Vista. I'm Kali Kwa. Our theme music today is Siesta by Jazzer. This is 91.9 FM KCSB. Stay well. <laughs>